Hello and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the markets and helps you make smart choices with your investments. These are entirely our own views and that of our guests. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that'll be happy to help if you need. We're only seven weeks into the year and so much has been happening. Share markets have been choppy, interest rates have been rising, there's all sorts of questions about the outlook for housing, and inflation is running hot in many economies, including our own. The COVID situation keeps changing, and there's definitely a high level of uncertainty about the outlook. I've asked Mike Jones to join me. He's a fellow economist who's been on earlier podcasts. And amongst other things, Mike's just changed the ASB house price forecast, which we'll talk about soon. So welcome back, Mike. How's the year started for you? Thanks, Chris. And, and hi, everyone. Yeah, like as you say, a bit of a, bit of a sort of wobbly old start to the year for markets and economies. But for me, personally, it's been a, it's been a good summer. I managed to, um, I was pretty happy to escape Auckland, uh, like I'm sure many others were, um, over the summer and get down to central Otago and run up and down some pretty big mountains, uh, which is uh, which was fun. Um, Gave my only sort of complaints. CDB, which you might share, is there hasn't been enough cricket on, but um, I'm pleased to see that rectified today with the start of a test match, so um, so that's been good. Yeah, we are uh, both uh, enjoy uh, having the uh, the tests going on in the background. It's a nice way to get through the summer, that's for sure. So I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit more action before the leaves start falling in autumn. Hey, and I know you've got a heap on at work at the moment. Um, You've been uh, working on the residential property market outlook, which I've hinted to, um, but also you um, prepare a lot of reports for corporates. Uh, so let's start with that. Um, what are some of the big uh, New Zealand corporates you talk with focusing on as we head into 2022? And how's this volatility that we've framed up this call looking to the companies you're discussing things with? Yeah, look, it's an easy, pretty easy answer this this time around. I mean, two things really stand out. Um, one is the tight labour market, and we're, we are dealing with a, a labour market in New Zealand that, that may well be the tightest we've ever experienced, uh, at least in sort of recorded history. Uh, and that's posing some some real headaches for firms and trying to get labour in some specialist areas and and just in general. Uh, as well, and the other, of course, which is increasingly the sort of topic to jour, is, is inflation, and that's coming through seemingly from all quarters at the moment. Input costs, uh, firms are judging how much they can absorb and pass on, um, and at least in the short term, that looks like a problem that is probably going to get worse before it's better. And indeed, that's probably the case for the labour market as well. So it's sort of one of those cases in history where you know the sort of macroeconomic picture that that we talk about sometimes feels a bit abstract, has actually been felt quite acutely at the, at the coalface uh, of the economy. Yeah, well, we can get on to inflation in a tick, but one of the things that you and I have talked about is that um, two years ago we thought COVID was a real game-changer for the economic outlook. But for some of these issues like the labour market and, 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 and where the economy's tracking at the moment, it's really been a pause for a little while, and we're now back to facing some of the problems that we faced in late 2019, the tight labour market being one of them, uh, which has actually just got worse. Does it feel like that to you, that some things have just been paused, and now now, now they're back in play? Yeah, we had discussed that before, whereby you know economists generally thought it was, it was a game changer, COVID was going to upend the cycle, 
but in reality, it sort of paused the cycle, um, and and we've re-strengthened again out at the side. And you know, there's also clearly a role that's been played there in terms of the stimulus that's been unleashed around the world. Increasingly, looking like global economy is actually overstimulated. So you know, hence why we've got labour markets you know tight as a drum and inflation. It's a real, a real problem. So that's right. I mean, and that stimulus is is I guess something else that comes across for businesses. I mean, a lot of Businesses were also also obviously recipients of that, and you know, so where that's ended up has been an interesting issue in itself. A lot of it's clearly found its way into the housing market. We've talked about that before. There's also quite a lot, um, you know, cash that's sort of sloshing around and in, in, on corporate balance sheets. I mean, it's it's a mixed picture. You know, clearly, hospitality businesses are are under some real pressure, um, but I guess. At an overall level, um, you know, businesses are quite well funded. They've got a lot of you know cash on balance sheets. Um, their, their sort of credit metrics are looking pretty good. The only thing kind of holding them back is being this yes, caution around around the COVID situation and the economic situation in general. But um, I think if we saw that fog clear a little bit, uh, businesses might be in a, a pretty good position to be able to sort of invest and expand over the next couple of years. Yeah, this is a theme that's uh, came through with um, with some of the earlier podcasts we've done, um, in- including one a couple of weeks ago. Is um, some companies are doing really, really well. Their balance sheets look good, and they're hoping to be trading in an economy that's more open over the next twelve months than the preceding twenty four months. Um, but one of the factors in this volatility in share markets is if any companies disappoint. Um, the market's very sensitive to that and, and their share prices are getting hit uh, significantly lower. It just seems that the market at the moment is is very sensitive to this interest rate and inflation outlook and, and what it means for earning growth. When share markets are at uh, pretty high levels despite the pullback over, over recent weeks. But hey, let's focus on inflation. So we, um, we were both economists in a decade where um, the problem was inflation was too low. Um, it seemed to be the problem ever since, um, well, probably since Graham Wheeler came in as the uh, Reserve Bank governor. Um, and, and inflation over um, up until COVID was definitely felt like it was too low from the RBNZ's perspective. Then we had COVID and now inflation's too high. And, and a lot of people talked initially about this being a transitory thing and, and now are worried about it being more permanent. I know you've seen things slightly different. How's the general thinking changed over the past six months as, as people have started to worry about this being a bit more entrenched? And how's your thinking about inflation changed over recent times, Mike? Well, mine hasn't changed too much. I mean, there's you know, undoubtedly been signs that inflation pressure nearly everywhere in the world, uh, with obvious exception just recently of China, but everywhere else, is coming in much stronger than just about anyone uh, expected. But, you know, for me, I, I guess we've discussed before CTB, I kind of thought central banks were being a little bit too cute on this line, that, that it was all going to be transitory. Uh, it was largely a story of these supply disruptions that were going to quickly fade and inflation would quickly head back down to those sort of comfortable levels that central banks have been dealing with for the past real decade. I thought it's sort of an easy line to run in the middle of last year, when we when we weren't at these high rates of inflation, that central banks were going to look through it and and um, sort of sit pat as inflation corrected back down and was entirely transitory. But it's a much harder prospect to run that line when when you're actually in the teeth of it, like like we are now. You know, inflation in the US is seven and a half percent, and it's it's actually showing up in in some of the really essential parts of 
of consumer spending, you know, rents, food. And so it's quickly actually becoming the, probably the biggest political issue in the US is in terms of, you know, replacing COVID. So look, I think we're probably getting pretty close to, to peak inflation in the next one or two quarters. You know, we are seeing these, these pretty frightening numbers, six, seven, even close to 8% in parts of the world where we're used to sort of one and a half to two. Um, but the thing for me is inflation expectations and wage growth are starting to lift. And, and, and as you know, that those are the sort of self-sustaining processes in inflation that can actually keep it up high, sort of a self-fulfilling type argument that keeps inflation at those high levels. So that's the sort of thing that sort of central bankers lose lose sleep over. So for me, that, that's the real big question for this year is, um, you know, how do the likes of, you know, the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank bring inflation back down to sort of comfortable levels by, you know, chiefly higher interest rates without sort of tipping tipping up the economic apple cart because there's, there's parts of the economies around the world that, that look a little bit fragile still and, and probably don't want to steer down uh, much higher interest rates. So it's, it's going to be a real balancing act. And, and for me, that's that's a real big question for this year. And I think it's for why we've already seen some, some sort of wobbly sentiment in, in equity markets, as, as you've mentioned. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting that the the whole thing about starting to see wage growth, uh, which seems very important for the Reserve Bank of Australia in particular, that's welcomed by workers. But gee, at the moment, um, if we look at the last labour data, the wage increases people are getting are um, are not even sort of half the inflation rate that we're seeing within the economy. So the the poor old wage earners are not getting anywhere in a real sense. But in this whole mix of things in terms of central bank action, it feels like there's a big contrast between the Reserve Bank of New Zealand front-footing things last year and starting to tighten monetary conditions, first through stopping their bond purchases and and then hiking rates. And then we've got the Reserve Bank of Australia at the other extreme that uh, still seem reluctant to hike rates until they see uh, more wage inflation in the system. But it sounds to me and, and feels to me that they, all the central banks around the world have an awful lot of work to do. Is that what you're thinking too? Yeah. I mean, I think the Reserve Bank officials probably had a slightly more comfortable summer than, than some, of, some of their counterparts offshore having got those two interest, interest rate increases on the board um, towards the end of last year. I know at the time, you know, offshore punters thought we were all mad down here. Well, you know, what were we doing actually um, tightening monetary policy at a time when we we're still on a pandemic and there was, you know, new waves of COVID coming through. But, you know, now we, we sort of look like the, the brave Kiwi pioneers uh, once again, um, you know, having got a couple of interest rate increases on the board. And uh, I guess if it wasn't for the Auckland kind of Waikato lockdown in, in August, we probably would have had one or two more. Um, that sort of slowed the Reserve Bank's hand a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work to do everywhere. I think, you know, for me, I, I think about it as kind of like the year for the year of delivery for central banks. A lot of the hard work, particularly for the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, was, was done last year in terms of, you know, actually going, hang on, uh, we need to change course here. Uh, the economy doesn't need this sort of stimulus. Um, you know, they wound up the bond buying program. They changed their, their communications to say, hey, we're actually... Um, we're going 180 here, interest rates are going up. And they've set, set the markets on a, on a course for higher interest rates. So now what they have to do this year is, is essentially just deliver on that with, with a lot of the, the sort of the comms work um, being done. Yeah, for investors, um, we typically look at the share market when portfolio valuations decline. But for New Zealand investors, 
if they've got an income focus, that aggressive action from the Reserve Bank and the fact that our rates have moved so much over 2021 is uh, is really noticeable in their uh, in their po- investment uh, portfolios, and it's a tricky thing to explain. But uh, I would, as well as the share markets being jittery at the start of this year. Um, these increases we're seeing in interest rates within the economy are meaning that bond portfolio valuations are are down. So ultimately, I think it's good news that we're moving back to a more normal interest rate environment. Um, that's good for the running yield of a bond portfolio. But the transition is a is a big headwind for uh, for returns, and we can see that over the past year. Now, another thing I know you think about um, is the uh, is the New Zealand dollar. Um, it's it's quite a bit lower um, now compared to uh, times last year and earlier when it was trading in the sort of comfortably in the seventy cent plus range against the US dollar. Um, that's another thing which is going to be adding to inflation pressures over the year ahead as the cost of imported goods goes up. But it's helpful for um, exporters. What's your thoughts about where the New Zealand dollar is trading at the moment and? Um, do you think it's going to garner some support from rate hikes or or is it going to be more influenced by perhaps what's going on offshore where they'll be hiking rates as well? Yeah, it's a good point. I, I think the New Zealand dollar is one thing that has that has surprised me. You know, if you, if you think about the normal fundamentals that kind of drive trends and currencies, for the Kiwi, there's, there's two big ones. One is um, the prices that our commodity, key commodity exports fetch offshore and the other is um, how our interest rates are going relative to the rest of the world. And, and both of those last year were a big screaming green arrow, uh, and yet the currency fell, which I guess you know highlights the old issues around trying to pick pick currencies. Um, it's always pretty tough, but yeah, this kind of cycle in particular seems quite odd. I mean, it, it's a really big boon for I think you know the likes of farm incomes. You don't normally see really high commodity export prices and, and records in some cases if you look at you know the, the payout forecasts for the dairy sector. At the same time as the currency goes down, normally those things move together. I think the last time we saw something like this was probably 2001, so sort of 20 years ago. Um, so it's a really, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big boom for for us as a, as a sort of an exporting um, economy. You know, pretty sort of reluctant to wait into where it goes from here. Again, I can't almost can't understand why it's here in the first place. If last year was the year where New Zealand interest rates sort of took off. Um, this is the year where the rest of the world catches up, I think, to some degree. So you've seen that, I guess, in, in the US in particular. US Federal Reserve's kind of scrambling to quickly um, wind up its easy monetary policy, its bond purchases, and actually get cracking on interest rate hikes. They might start with a double, in fact, you know, so get some really quick runs on the board. Uh, and even in Europe, you wouldn't have ever said inflation and Europe in the same sentence together for probably the past 10 years. But even the ECBs now looking like they'll come to the party and, and deliver higher interest rates later this year. I think, yeah, if the rest of the world interest rates uh, catch up or, or rise more than ours, that's probably something that, that keeps that New Zealand dollar at lower levels uh, than otherwise. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a tough old tough old job uh, trying to pick where, where the currency goes. But in the here and now, as you say, it is, you know, it's relatively low, and it, so it is contributing to inflation where normally the Reserve Bank would sort of see the, the exchange rate is having its back when it's raising interest rates, the, the currency would be going up as well and, and helping the Reserve Bank to keep uh, inflation lower. Yeah, I'd, I'd concur with uh, those comments about effects forecasting being a tricky game and um, my uh, 
three years in the team forecasting foreign exchange, I think, is the reason why I've got so much uh, grey hair or, or, it's, or it's falling out. It's hard work. But in the um, investment uh, management space, um, you know, currency hedging is clearly an important part of the decision, particularly to uh, try and reduce some of the unwanted volatility for income assets. Um, but let's get back to uh, where um, interest rates are, uh, or where the rubber hits the road for interest rates and, and onto those um, housing market conversations that I've been uh, hinting at. You know, one of the things for homeowners is um, what's the outlook for mortgages? And, and I think there's an awful lot of the um, RBNZ's rate hike expectations already baked into our five-year mortgage, for example. It's up by over 2% from the lows, um, even though we've just really started the um, rate hike cycle. And it's and it's weird to think interest rates have gone up 2% for a five-year mortgage, but that's still an incredibly low rate on a historical basis. Did the speed of the changes in mortgage rates and longer-term borrowing costs for businesses surprise you last year? It just seemed to come really quickly through the second and third quarters. Yeah, yes no. I mean, yeah, we, we've talked about it before on these podcasts. Steady B. I mean, it did look like sort of for a while there the only way it was up for, for mortgage rates. But yeah, in terms of the speed of just how how quickly they've they've increased, uh, that probably has been a bit bit surprising. In fact, you know, according to to, a, to the numbers in a recent report I wrote, probably the the most rapid increase in, in mortgage rates in about fifteen to sixteen years, which is kind of important because if you look at um, you know housing markets as I as I do. Uh, what you what you can find is it's it's not always the level of of mortgage rates that really matter for for the trend in house prices so, because the level of course is still quite low relative to history you know it's not as if we're up eight nine percent but it's actually the speed with which they change because that's what sort of feeds through to to mortgage borrowers back pocket um, and again you know Reserve Bank puts out some numbers shows that about sixty percent of of all mortgage holders on fixed rate mortgages are going to roll their debt or roll those rates over in the next 12 months so that you know that's a lot that's a would sort of describe that as, as quite a short book for for uh mortgage rate refixings so some those big increases that we've seen you know are going to come through and be felt in terms of um uh the real economy in, in pretty short order and, and probably contribute to a you know perhaps a lower pace of spending we're seeing a real boom in, in durable spending everyone's rushed out and bought you know new tvs and fridges and sparkles but um there is going to be a little bit of a crimp coming i think in the wallet uh, from those those high mortgage rates oh and add in three dollar a litre petrol and uh, you can understand why people's wallets will be under a bit of pressure later on in this year and hey i know that the mortgage forecasts are cog in the wheel of of your overall thinking but there's lots of moving parts with your outlook. Um, so can you talk us through some of the other key drivers for your forecasts and your thinking and the and the latest changes you've made? I noticed this week you put out uh, your, your latest report on the housing market and lowered our forecast for prices this year. Can you chat us uh, through that? Yeah, the long and short of it is that, you know, this year, 2022, is looking like quite a different year for the housing market. Um, and you know, I put out some notes last year, basically, you know, flagging a bit of a health warning around house prices this year because it looked like we were going to get you know, sort of three macroeconomic uh, boogeymen all sh- sort of showing up at the same time this year. That was the sort of risk, and it does look like that's happening. Those being, you know, one, uh, quite a bit higher mortgage rates. Uh, the second being some quite clear lifts in the supply side, so you know, more houses coming onto the market thanks to the big construction boom we've seen. 
Uh, and the third being a tightening in, in credit conditions, so less kind of easy credit uh, for those looking to borrow to buy houses. Um, and we are seeing all of those things sort of occur at the moment. Um, and, and I guess the, the credit tightening side has has had a bit of press, um, you know, partly related to the changes to the Triple CFA Act, partly the Reserve Bank's tightening its loan to value restrictions again. It's quite hard to know which one of those is kind of doing the work, but but it does seem if you look at things like house sales that um, you know markets really uh, you know losing steam probably a bit earlier than we we might have thought. We had uh, some small falls in house prices forecast for the second half of this year, really a mortgage rate story in the main uh, of about three percent. But it now looks like um, that tipping over of, of sentiments kind of a bit early, probably, as I say, thanks to the, the credit side of things tightening up. So we've sort of doubled that. Um, so now we see our house price falls of about 6% by the end of this year. So that's kind of small falls over the first three quarters and then perhaps a bit of recovery towards the end of the year. So, yeah, as I say, it is a different sort of picture. Um, overall, you can kind of characterise it as all, all of that excess demand that I guess bid prices up so aggressively has started to, to drop out. So um, as I say, with the, the supply side rising, we're seeing a much more balanced market, which is ultimately a, a good thing. Yeah, and one of the things that you and I have both scratched our heads over in the past has been working out what the actual level of migration is and, and what that's adding to the equation. Now, we've been able to scratch that off our job list um, over the past couple of years because there really hasn't been any. Um, but that's another variable that I guess will be adding to the mix and adding to the story that we ultimately get over the over the course of the year. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, m- m- migration is normally such a big and important factor when you're thinking about you know housing demand in New Zealand and hence the prices of those houses. But um, it's probably the thing that threw all the economists, including myself, off the scent really when um, you know the borders shut. And suddenly inward migration effectively stopped overnight. Uh, most people thought, well, you know, that's that's a big hit to demand. House prices might might fall quite a lot. And in the event, um, you know, Kiwis without um, any migration were, were quite capable of generating the housing boom all by themselves. And, and um, the opposite happened. You know, house prices actually went through the roof, as, as we saw. Um, so, you know, what does it mean when, when we see migration restart again? Um, you know, a little, a little hard to know given that, but I think it is probably something that just helps, uh, I guess, shore up demand along with, as I mentioned earlier, a really strong labour market. I mean, labour incomes, not only is, you know, just about everyone that, that wants a job can find one, uh, but, but the income from those jobs is increasing too with wages. So, you know, strong labour market incomes are normally, you know, associated with a reasonable house price backdrop. So that's one thing that will, I think, provide some support. So we're not talking about any sort of material correction in house prices. In fact, you know, if, if our forecast for a 6% fall this year came true, that would only put national house prices back to where they were about the middle of last year, middle of 2021. So, um, you know, it certainly gives you some perspective. Um, migration, it's going to change over the year ahead, and then that's probably got implications for the labour market outlook too. Yeah, that's a good point. CDB, I think you know, the reopening of the border and what that means for the labour market is, is probably a, a you know whole podcast topic in of itself. But suffice to say, I don't necessarily think it's it's clear that uh, reopening the border is going to lead to you know a materially um, material loosening in the labour market in New Zealand. Uh, and, and maybe that actually more Kiwis 
head back offshore to pursue opportunities out there and we actually get things tightening up here even further. So that's, I guess, one of the big uh, uncertainties we're grappling with for later this year. Yeah, we've pondered the same question in the global financial crisis and, and once we could, uh, Kiwis did want to resume their travelling ways. But that, like you say, maybe that's a subject for a podcast down the track. Yeah, yeah, and I think probably the, the bigger driver of, of the labour market later this year is going to be just how much of a rebalancing we see in the economy. So we've had this sort of slightly tilted economy where um, a lot of stimulus has found its way into the housing market. We've had really strong consumer spending on the back of that. But now we're starting to see that slow up and we're starting to see the baton shift to the export sector given those really high um, commodity export prices. And um, so, you know, that, that rebalancing, uh, you know, hopefully bodes well for a, a bit more sort of balance in it and some of the other you know, key parts of the economy we look at as well, like the labour market. Cool. I made a note of to check in on these issues with you later in the year for another podcast. So uh, thanks for that. But um, we've got a lot of uh, investors uh, that are using bank products, including KiwiSaver, to save for their first home. And so I'm pretty sure they'll like the sound of, um, of prices dipping or, or even just the fact that they're, uh, they're not rising and running away like they were at, at stages in uh, last year and the year before. So, you know, even if we saw a 10% drop in prices, um, that affordability issue is still going to remain and um, saving for a home, getting some good advice and making sure your money is in the right place just seems as, as important as ever as we, uh, as we head into a quite an uncertain year. Hey, so thanks for joining me today, Mike. Um, there's just some great insights that you've been able to provide and some, and some really interesting details behind your, uh, your thinking and forecast. So thanks for your time. No problem at all. Pleasure as always. Thanks for listening to the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on a future show, please get in touch at podcasts at asb.co.nz.